All right, well, <clears throat> so I just want to kind of share with you, if you heard last week, part of the, uh, part of the thing that is going on uh, today is our uh, time where we're doing the CPR class. That's kind of a dual-pronged thing, um, what we're going to be talking about as well as the fact that actually Eric and Kendall are signed up to be foster parents. If you were here, if you were attending uh, services, I'm going to say right around Christmas time. Does that sound about yeah. right? Okay. So right around Christmas time of last year, you noticed that they didn't just have the three boys, they had five. Right. <laughs> and it's like, wow, these... Uh, big boys running around with your other boys living at your place. And so in order for them to be uh, recertified, in order for them to go back and be uh, eligible once again to uh, share uh, their home and open up their home with foster kids, they had to be recertified uh, in the CPR. And so that is kind of what, you know, is the impetus for this, but also as you will see in just a few minutes as we talk through this, uh, a lot happened and you can't find or buy a better commercial for knowing CPR and uh, knowing the training. Um, it is really amazing. And I'm just going to say this. If you guys don't know Kendall well, uh, you don't know that she is not one for talking. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of being up front and being up here and speaking is not her favorite thing by any stretch of the imagination. But we're not going to show the full video. Uh, Eric has um, surveillance and cameras and stuff at his house, and a lot of people do. And he's got one that uh, shines down on the pool. And it literally, he's shown me the, the video that lasts about nine, ten minutes or so, and probably more than that. But that's the clip in the segment that I saw. But I'm, I'm not kidding when I tell you, Eric can tell you the first time I saw the video, I told him, I was like, I cannot believe how amazing Kendall was. I'm telling you, I, it gives me chills and I get choked up. I cannot believe what you did. And I cannot believe how calm you were. It was amazing. I mean, it was, I can't, I can't even put it into words. And I saw it and I was just like, this is amazing. I, I cannot believe what you did. And um, there's going to be a still image in just a few moments of what you were doing. But um, yeah, we'll go through the whole thing in just a few moments. But I got to say, wow, I mean, just incredible. I'm, I'm without words. And uh, it is just an amazing thing how God used you. And can you guys all just give Kendall a hand? I mean, she saved a young man's life, literally. And uh, we just were so proud of you and so appreciative for you. And thank you for sitting in. I know we kind of had to do some shuffling and bring you in. All right, so let me start off here. If you don't know, Eric has a pool. We've had teen events. We've had ladies events. Uh, we've had a lot of things going on at Eric's pool. But if you don't know, there is actually something that's kind of been going on over the last, say, five, seven, ten years or so. And it's kind of called the sharing economy. And you might recognize Airbnb, you know, where you can put your home up to be a, a hotel for a couple of days, or you can ride share with Uber and things like that. And so this is kind of known as the collaborative services technology or the sharing economy. And this is just probably two of the most famous ways that you can be a part of the sharing economy. They actually have one for swimming pools too. That's right. 
Yeah, and that's kind of an unusual thing. What's the name of the app or the name of the place that you can go? Swimply. Swimply.com. You can go on there and rent someone's pool in your neighborhood by the hour. So it's, it's kind of like simply, but with a S-W-I-M, Swimply. You guys understand what, it, what he's saying? And so you guys put your, your pool up and allowed it to be rented a little bit, you know, by an hour or two or three or whatever. And people were coming and kind of affording themselves of this, right? That's right. So in the middle of summer of July 2020, we heard the commercial for it and thought, our neighborhood pool is closed. Most of the neighborhood pools are currently closed. And everyone is upset about that, looking for a place to swim and enjoy summer with their family. So wouldn't it be cool if somebody could bring their family and use our pool for a time? Plus, I get a little extra money for chlorine, <laughs> which has skyrocketed these days, if you're, if you're in the know on that. But, uh, but so we thought it would be a great idea. So we put our, put our pool up there last summer. We're so busy last summer, we had to schedule our own swim time <laughs> on the calendar. And so we decided to do that again this summer. So Awesome. Okay. And so if you uh, can kind of get a sense of this, this is not just Eric and one other dude uh, that puts this up in Houston. There's a lot of people, right? I mean, there, you, you guys did a quick search as we were talking about how God was at work in this thing. And I believe you got the number. Did you say there was at least about 45 uh, pools? Within about 20 miles of here, there's 45 different pools. And if any of you guys use Swimply... Y'all give me a kickback because, I mean, it feels like I'm doing a commercial right now. So there you go. But, yeah, there's 45 different pools in this area. It's very amazing and interesting how all of these little coincidences that I would call God instances um, ended up being something that played a huge role in all that was going on. Um, and so I think I want to just kind of put up a picture and we're not going to be, I'm sorry at home. This is that thing that we don't really feel comfortable, uh, or feel like it would be right for us to send out this, uh, this baby's picture, um, to you at home and, and broadcast that because YouTube, once it goes out, it's out there for everybody. If you did get the email, you did see this picture, so you can kind of participate. But for those of you here in the house today, you can see this is a picture one week later, and this young man's name is Caden. We're not going to be sharing any more family information, just this one uh, child's name. But this is a, obviously a picture of Eric and uh, Caden about one week after all of the things that we're about to tell you about happened. And uh, again, at home, you can look in your email and uh, you can get this uh, email or you can text me and I'll forward that to you. You should get on our list. All right. So um, let me just ask this question. What happens when you guys rent out your pool and like, do you guys just stay there and watch over everything or what happens? No, uh, sometimes we do and, um, you know, stay at home while they're renting and we hear them and we close the blinds, but they, they need to have a sense of privacy. So we typically do not, uh, you know, they, they reserve it online. We get a notice. They're coming. We get at least three hours notice so we can clean the backyard and uh, clean the pool or put the fluff to pillows or whatever. So we, we do that for them and just kind of arrange things, close the blinds, give them some privacy, move the cars out of the driveway. So they, they approach, and we're texting with the clients over the, the app and telling them, hey, park here, go in here, help yourself to the yard, whatever. And so everything is great, and um, you know, they, they show up, they do their rental, then they clean up after themselves, and they leave. 
no big deal. Sometimes we have to take out the trash, but that's about it. And it's, it's a great event. You know, they get to rent it. They're happy. We've gotten great reviews. And so what they do is they go online and they search for pools in their area. And they're presented with a list, you know, 20, 30, 40 pools, depending on how far they want to drive. And so this particular family, we found out later, they live in the med center. And so they pulled up our pool among how, how many dozens of others well, and drove all the way out to Richmond. 20 miles, there were 45 right. coming from the med center. That's at least 20 miles. There may I be even think, more but, because yeah. that's more densely populated yeah. and such. So, uh, you know, we're way out in the suburbs, you know, grand picture speaking. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know how many they, they overlooked to see ours, unless ours is just that beautifully presented. That they <laughs> Who's the photographer for that anyway? I mean, do we know the guy? <laughs> Obviously, he's got skills. But oh, you're the, the decorator. decorator. Kendall's like, now Kendall wants to speak. Hey, I'm the decorator. Let the record reflect I'm the decorator. Right. <laughs> That's how it is at my house, too. You said you weren't going to talk today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, so... What about this time? Did you guys stay when they came? So at this time, we were not home. We were, okay. at, we were invited to my nephew's house. He was having a small family get-together, family and friends. And it was Sunday afternoon, so we went over there with our kids, and they have kids. And they played, and we had a great social time. And um, just, you know, it was, it was a very nice time. I actually did, I got to ride his motorcycle. So that was cool. I rode the motorcycle back to our house because we had two renters that day. We had one in the early afternoon, and I went home and made sure the backyard was good and sanitized and everything was clean for the next renters showing up a couple hours later. Then I went back to his house to hang with everybody else while these renters showed up on their own. We were not there. None of us were home. So, so Caden's family that we're talking about here was the second crew that came in that day? Correct. Okay, and I know a lot of them do things like um, birthday parties and yep. stuff like that. And I, and I also just want to go out of my way real quickly to just say I've seen the video footage, and honestly, like, there's so much going on. I mean, if you can imagine, you know, kids playing in a pool <laughs> with toys and jumping in off the side and all that different stuff, this is – there's a lot going on, and it's just – as chaotic as you would think, there's at least eight people that I counted up, including Caden, that were at the pool at that time and when all of the craziness ended up happening. And so we're wanting to be very clear, like Jesus's parents forgot him at the temple. They weren't bad parents. This is just stuff that happens. I mean, how many times have, I mean, how many of y'all have ever lost your kid in a department store? Can I see your hand? I mean, like that happened, right? And were you a bad parent? Oh, some of you are good parents. All right, fine. Us bad parents are in this club over here. Yeah, we lost our kid. I had three kids, so you know how many I lost. Anyway, um, this is not about them. This is just one of those things that happens, and it's chaos, but it's fun, and it just so happened that this really turned pretty dark, and, and we, we've been talking about, you know, naming this today from tragedy to testimony because this was this close to being an absolute tragedy, um, and let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, let's actually... Let's go to the, some of the footage real quick. And Eric's got a few different cameras at different angles and stuff. This is you guys coming home yep. as y'all are entering your, your front door. So, so real quick, in reference to the family, the, the, um, the pool was reserved by the mother of this child's great aunt. And she reserved the pool and had her family come and swim. 
the mother and the father of Caden were on a trip from Louisiana to visit family, his brothers, and they were on their way back, and they happened to be on the phone, and the great aunt said, hey, we're renting this pool. Why don't you come on over and join us? And so they did. So they, they came, had no expectation when they woke up that, that morning that they would be at a swimming pool that evening. And so they came, and first the great aunt and her family showed up, and then Caden and his mom and dad showed up and began swimming. And so they are still at our pool when we come home from my nephew's house. And if you can see in the corner, it says 9.41 and 35 seconds. So um, it's their time to end was at 10 p.m. So we're, they're basically starting to clean up and stuff when we come home. So we come walk in the front door and sort of we accidentally left one of the blinds open. So we waved at them and they waved at us. And then I closed the blinds. And so that's... That, so this is, the, this is the photo of us coming in. I think there's one more of us. There's from the other angle. Also 9.41 and 35 seconds. Okay. And so what's kind of interesting about this is, is, like, literally, this is documented stuff that we're talking about. This is, you know, from the camera at this angle and then the camera that looks over the pool, which is probably a smart thing if you're doing some of this swimply stuff that, you know, for liability's sake, it's a safe place, et cetera, et cetera. And so we literally are able to go back and kind of dissect this thing like the Zapruder film where we're like, okay, this is you guys stepping in at this time, and then this is exactly what's happening in the pool area at the same exact time. Right. And, and so all of that is happening, and that's part of, as often is the case, man, truth be told, a lot of the time the miracle is in the details, you know? I mean, when you really start drilling down and looking a little deeper, you kind of start to see just exactly how involved God was in this situation, and he definitely was. Um, okay, so what happens at this point that's so scary? Like, what is happening well, at the pool when you guys so are there? there should be, here's the pool at the exact same time. This is 941 and 44 seconds. So this is, what, seven seconds after we walked in the front door. And in this shot... Right up in the corner. Yeah, you've, right. you've, got, you've got like a, so if you haven't been to Eric's place, he's got a pool and then he's got a hot tub that is the one that you kind of see in the upper left near the, 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 um, the date, not the date, but the time that I put on there so you could see it really, really clearly. Um, and so that's the hot tub. Right, so just to the left of the number one, you see the hot tub there. You see a little light reflecting off the water, and right behind that light, you see a splash. And that's Jaden falling into the pool at 18 months old, falling into the hot tub, climbed in himself. So what happened was, and again, not blaming anybody, but his father walked with him from the car to get his clothes, walked through the yard, and told his great aunt, hey, watch Jaden for a second. I'm going to go change clothes and put my clothes on. And then he goes into the shower, the outdoor changing room that is behind that lady sitting there in the far corner. Um, and so you can see the light on on his feet like you would under a stall door. And, there's, and so he left Jaden, and his great aunt never heard him say, will you please watch Jaden? And so there was a miscommunication. Yeah, so basically it's uh, one person thinking you heard, one person that didn't hear, 
and then because of all the chaos that we talked about earlier, this little boy, he's how old? 18 months. 18 months. He goes into the hot tub and Eric showed me this video and you can see the splash. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and you can kind of see that's a still frame shot of the surveillance footage. And that's the little baby who doesn't know how to swim clearly, doesn't have any precautions on, nope, you know, no floaties or whatever. On. Just literally, you know, you've seen the baby a week later, so I don't want to upset you, but I want you to know this is insane how this all happened. Um, Caden goes down to the to the bottom of the hot tub, and that's where he stays well, and remains, right? He, no, he, fl he flails and tries to get out. Okay for 90 seconds. It's about two and a half foot or three foot deep. It's in about three feet deep in the middle and there's a seat all the way around it, but he never makes it to the seat. Wow. He perhaps finds the seat and it kicks him back into the middle. He, again, he's never been in water before and doesn't know how to swim. And so he's grasping at everything and we watched him and it's heartbreaking. That's why we're not showing you the video. Yeah, it's disturbing. To watch him grasp at anything for 90 seconds and find nothing and to go down and up and down and up and I don't know if he ever caught a breath and his great aunt is sitting six feet away never hears a thing never sees a thing didn't know she was in charge I'm not blaming her but this is how drownings go mm -hmm. it is the silent killer yeah. they don't make a sound if you think you're going to listen for your children in a swimming pool and keep them safe audibly, they do not make a sound. And it's, it's incredibly scary. Yeah. yeah. So where were you guys at this point? when? So we, we in... were just inside. Uh -huh. um, Kendall had just gone and laid down. And I think I was trying to wrestle the boys and get them ready for bed or something. Yeah. Maybe turn the TV on, let them settle down and relax. Um, and so... After we are in the house for 30 seconds, um, he falls in the water at 9.41.44. Sorry, I got that one off by one, one second. That's all right. Um, Dad pulled him out at 9.43.11, so 86 seconds in the water. Until Dad comes out of the shower and sees him in the water, he runs and grabs the child by the leg and pulls him out of the water. Mom's across the yard. She notices. She runs over there. And then the great aunt comes and knocks on our door at 943.44. So it's a, it is 30, 33 seconds after the baby is pulled out of the water. That and you then, guys hear that he's in distress. To, yes. So we hear screaming. We hear a frantic knock at the door. We come outside. And so... I walk out the door, what's going on? I, I, it seems like there's something happening. What's going on? And they scream, my baby's dying, and hand me the baby. And he's completely limp. Yeah. They have no idea what to do. I gotta say, like, this is a big part of the reason that we're not showing the video, right. because, I mean, this, this little baby is, it's like he's, a, a, you've, you've heard of the ragdoll kinda, thing that's exactly what he looks like he looks like he's not got a single bit of movement or right. strength to hold his limbs or anything he is for all intents and purposes he's dead and he's right. gone
It's amazing. And it's really remarkable. It's Because scary. you think, well, I've carried a child that was sleeping. It's not the same. They still have muscular control when a person is unconscious, if they're sleeping. And it's not the same. This baby was completely a ragdoll. Head, hands, arms, nothing was holding on. I mean, you're holding a, a dead body, seemingly. And so they hand me the baby. I realize they're like, He's, he was in the water. He was in the water. And so immediately I'm like, okay, let's do CPR. So I turn the baby over. First, you think maybe he's choking. You whack him on the back, nothing happens. I turn him back over. I start doing CPR. I put, try to put a small breath into his mouth, and nothing goes in because his lungs are full of water. So I start doing chest compressions, and you see a little bit of water start to drizzle out. And this is, I've never dealt with this before. I know CPR, I've been trained, but this is not, usually they tell you lay them on the ground, give them breasts, give them compressions, but there's nothing going in. So at this point, after about two cycles of CPR, we call 911. 911 is called at 944 and 15 seconds, 20 seconds after they handed him to me. Um, after 14 more seconds, I realize I've got somebody on the other side of the door that's been in early childcare development her entire life and knows far more about children than I do. Let me run and grab Kendall. So I go inside and I yell, Kendall, CPR now. And she gets out of bed and she runs outside and she gets the child yeah. for uh, thir 30, 29 seconds. After we called 911, Kendall has him. 29 seconds. And I think you laid something on the ground and then no. put the baby down. No, she immediately took the baby, whereas I was trying to do CPR yeah, in, in my hands. She immediately took the baby without even thinking and sat in a chair and laid the baby on her lap, which is exactly what you're supposed to do with babies. Yeah, this is a, this is a close-up of, you know, as you can tell, as the thing kind of gets de degraded or whatever, um, as it gets a little closer, you can see that Kendall is there, and literally, I mean, this is where she saves his life. After, after he doesn't respond in her lap, she lays him on the ground. Yeah, part, so what she said was, based on his age, um, age based on his size, right, based on his size, you evaluate exactly how to do CPR, and that's part of the training. And so she evaluated, okay, my lap's not going to work either. Let me put him on the ground, and that's what she did. So, so she continues to do CPR. Meanwhile, 911's calling. As soon as I handed the baby to her, I pick up the phone, with, and CPR's are, are, uh, 911 is already on the call, so I'm telling them the address, I'm telling them what's going on, communicating, and she continues to do CPR. So she starts at 9.44 and 44 seconds, and um, the baby takes his first breath at two minutes and six seconds after. Two minutes and six seconds later, she says he's breathing. Yeah. And if you watch the video, at that moment... You know, we're all crowded around. Right as she says he's breathing, everyone backs up about three steps. 
And I'm like, why did everyone back up once he starts breathing? And it's because we're all taking our own breaths. We're all going, oh, thank God. And it's really remarkable because here you can see everyone's standing back. And it's just that one second everyone steps back in relief. And so she's equally relieved. So she rocks him, slowly breathing. She holds him on his side so he can continue to drain water out of his lungs and just comforts him for the next several minutes. Randy texted me and said, uh, you know, what's she doing here rocking him? Is she still doing CPR? No, she, he's breathing and she's comforting him. That was, that was like, I, I literally started crying whenever that whole thing happened, watching the surveillance video because as disturbing as something like that would be in the movies, it's not the movies, it's real life stuff. And I just want to point out something. This is like 10 minutes of your life. Right. It's like 10 minutes out of your life, but it's 10 minutes where you literally saved a life. From the time we walked in the front door to the time the paramedics arrived, it was eight minutes and 63 seconds. Eight minutes and 63 seconds of our life. And there you see the, the paramedics coming on. Yep. And, and you even had some, you have a family member that is connected to the, uh, to the police department and that kind of thing as well, right? And um, they, they kind of told you what they had said after the fact, not knowing that he was related to you, right? I mean, you kind of got it through back channels a little bit, uh, some of the feedback and some of the stuff that my, happened, right? My brother-in-law is a police officer, and he said, yeah, I saw that surveillance video. And I'm like, you did? I didn't send it to you. No, I saw it from the investigator. Um, my brother, who is a battalion chief at Richmond Fire Station, he texted me an hour later and said, hey, is everything okay at your house? I heard about a one-year-old drowning. So news travels very fast among those in the, uh, you know, the uh, service, uh, emergency service industry. So it was kind of, kind of interesting that you know, other police officers are seeing it, seeing the surveillance because I provided it to them. So, uh, but the, the param- I wanted to make this point. The paramedic showed up three minutes and 46 seconds after he took his first breath, which is a total of six minutes and 38 seconds that they, by the time we called 911, and the paramedics walked in the backyard was six minutes and 38 seconds. Less than seven minutes, which is incredible. Great response time. That response time is incredible. But he had already gone two minutes without, well, two, three, three minutes without a breath, and then another three minutes sitting there with Kendall, that would have been, that would have added another three minutes of him not breathing. From about six minutes to about nine minutes or so. Well, he, he did not breathe for five minutes and 22 seconds. It would have changed it to more like eight minutes, yeah, nine minutes and 10 seconds, yeah. which is a significant difference. A three whole minute, have you ever held your breath for five minutes and 22 seconds, much less n- almost nine minutes? Yeah. And that's, that's the kind of thing that ends up causing long-term brain damage and right. stuff that just, just you can't come back. Typically from. after four minutes is when brain damage begins to occur. Wow, that's incredible. So as we kind of bring this all to a close, let, let's go ahead and see this next slide here real quickly. This is a conversation between you and the great aunt. That's right. And, uh, and this is the same 
text thread, but I put it on two separate pieces so I could blow it up so you guys could see. You guys understand what I'm saying? It's the same text thread. You can kind of see what I did there just to make sure you could see and actually read it. But she says, I know I'm praying and God let me know it's going to be okay. I have strong faith. Again, y'all are truly a blessing and we are forever grateful. And then notice this was all happening. This roughly happened about 10 p.m. on Sunday evening. And then on Monday, roughly about 12 to 13 hours later, good morning, they just took him off the breathing machine. He's breathing on his own. He has a low-grade fever, 100.4, so they gave him some Tylenol. His lungs look good. He'll have another x-ray tomorrow. They're stopping the sedation they had to give him because he woke up trying to pull the tube out of his mouth. This kid's a fighter, man. And then you can see again, uh, he's been breathing on his own since 10 a.m., He's been eating and drinking, and he'll have another x-ray in the a.m. on his lungs. And then Eric says, praise God. She says, amen. Eric says, what a miracle. How are mom and dad doing? And she said, they're just praying and looking after him. I mean, it's just an amazing story of how God uses a real-life group of people, uh, a real-life family, um, people that we know and proud to say, great job to you guys. I mean, how does it feel to literally have given this child a second, like, second lease on life? It feels like we were out of control, and this was orchestrated by somebody else, and we were, like, just going through the motions of what to do. If you're presented with a problem, you respond to it, and that's it. And all the rest of it was an orchestration. From the distance they came, from the timing of us leaving the party, from the time of us arriving, from the time of us being near the back door to hear the knocking, from walking outside, from nobody knew CPR. Not, out of 14 people in the backyard, not one of them ever had any type of medical training, CPR, first aid training, nothing. And to have a person who's been in early childcare development her entire life, her since she was 19 years old, taking CPR training on children, to be the person that's available at the moment that a child has drowned. If we caught a red light on the way home, the baby wouldn't be here. We were part of an orchestration that brings glory to God because he's the one who made everything happen. Amen. It feels good to be used by God. Yeah. That's awesome. There's no denying it. You add all of that up together and you're like, yeah. they chose to come to your house. They chose to drive past all these other pools for rent because God knew that there was a person there that knew CPR that was skilled to handle what was going to happen. And I don't know why God, he could have just not made it happen. We don't know why God does things, why God allows things to happen. Maybe, maybe the parents needed to have an understanding of how dangerous pools are. Maybe the great aunt, because she said, I've got faith again in the mm -hmm. text. Maybe it was partly for her benefit to renew her faith. Maybe it was for the people who hear the story to renew their faith, to hear another story of what God does, how God brings people through oceans and how he is a way maker. Yeah, he can be both. He can be both. <laughs>
And you know, the person that I thought first, the person that I thought first was, don't, this kid, this little boy, if he ever doubts that he was here for a reason and for a purpose, he, he has all the evidence in the world that he needs to know that God has his hand on his life. Amen. It's just amazing. I mean, it's incredible. Um, here's, here's I, won't, I won't put you on the spot. Are you feeling like you want to say something? Because I didn't think so. But you, you told me, we talked a little bit about this, and I said, I want you to feel free to share. You said no. You said it doesn't even feel real because it just feels like it just, did that actually really happen? But it's incredible. It's an amazing, amazing thing. This is uh, the picture of, it's Caden, uh, and he was um, at the hospital. And you can see the little heart monitor that he's got. And uh, then they came back out to you guys' house. We did. We invited them back out to meet Caden because we'd never seen him uh, awake. And uh, they came out two different times. And this one is the the first time they, that picture you just saw was of him not even 24 hours after in the hospital. He's awake, moving around, being monitored. That's crazy. Uh, Remarkable. Yeah. And the next photo is a week later. There was one more trip that came to see us in between that three days later after the event. So this is a, a week. And um, I mean, look at the eyes in that child. Just beautiful. He's just an so, awesome, awesome example um, that God had his hand on it. It's yeah. incredible. And so just, just a really remarkable thing. And, um, you know, when you add it all up together, we even talked yesterday and I was like, wow, I've never even thought about that before, that aspect, the distance that they came and they chose our pool and all those things. The timing one is easy, you know, we're, we're, we walk in right when it happens, but uh, all the rest of the stuff put together is, um, is, is just mind-boggling. Yeah, so you just hang here for just a second. Let me just point out a few things. And uh, can, can we give the Teagues a hand real quick? I mean, what an awesome story. Incredible. True heroes. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And uh, so I'm just going to point some things out, and I'm going to do this very, very quickly because uh, I don't want to take away from the power of the moment, but I want to make sure that if you missed it, don't miss it, okay? So let's go this very quickly. So exactly where was God at work? First of all, he's at work in his divine direction. There were at least 45 different pools that they could have chosen in that area. They chose the one, as Eric just said a minute ago, where there was somebody who could do CPR on a baby. I mean, it's incredible. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? And then in Proverbs 16, 9, in their hearts, human plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. God had his hand on this entire situation. Let's go to this next slide. The second thing where God was at work is his control despite changing circumstances. Y'all need to know this. Notice that this baby wasn't even supposed to be at the, at the place uh, at where they were swimming, but they, God had already directed them to go to the place where he was going to be okay. If you ever worry or wonder, well, well, maybe God planned it this way and didn't know that I was going to zig when he zagged or whatever, just relax, man. God is big enough for you and me to not get so all up in the air about it. If God has got it under control, we don't always have to control every single thing. Amen. And so just notice that even when circumstances changed, God already was there on the other side waiting for the circumstances 
promises to change for exactly what he had already set up in his orchestration. It's amazing. We serve an amazing God. Let's go to this next slide. This is where I put down where God was at work. He was at work in the prodding to and the use of our preparation. I, I don't want to just say God was good. God uses our preparation. For a lot of us, we want to do good things or even great things for God, but we never take the time to actually prepare ourselves to be the vessels of God's goodness. In this instance, God brought this baby to their door because they've been prepared. Do you understand what I'm saying? So never act like it's no big deal. I, maybe I will, maybe I won't. You never know when that kind of stuff is at your door. And when you need to be prepared is not in that moment. You need to have already been prepared. And as Kendall was prepared, and I love it that you basically were like, I'm going to get Kendall on this. That's, that's how it goes at my house. If it's a really big deal, I call Shelly, right? I mean, that's just how it goes. Big deal. You hollered at Kendall. Kendall came out, and it was amazing. I'm, I'm telling you, incredible. Amazing. I, I've got no words. Let's go to this next slide here, and I want to point this out. You might recognize this, but Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 is that one to remember that we've been talking about for the entire Lionhearted series. For we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And by the way, this passage of scripture is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. If you back up, it's a very famous passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest no man be able to boast. And then the next words, for we are God's handiwork. In other words, you and I, if we're Christians, we've got a lot more to do than just simply get ourselves squared away. We've got work to do in this world. And I don't know, I, I, I hope and pray that they will recognize you guys as God's instruments of blessing in their life. So not that they will praise you and put you guys up on a pedestal. I mean, I'm grateful, but ultimately we, we see through you guys to the Lord who has a plan for this little baby's life. And we just want to make sure that he gets the credit and the glory. But let's not forget he used vessels and people that were ready to be a blessing. That's how he does. Most of the time, that's exactly how he does. Okay, let's go to this. God's amazing timing. It, it, like you said, a red light, and we're not sure that this baby is alive. It's incredible. And then the fifth thing very quickly is God's supernatural preservation. That child has no problems or defects, even though his little body was without air and oxygen for five minutes. Six minutes, I mean, plus. 522. It's crazy. And so the, the amazing thing is, is I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that this is not the first time that this church has seen this kind of intervention. I remember and recall a very specific situation where somebody who had a crazy out of the, just 
out of the normal in every single way thing happened to them. And they should have had all kinds of problems, issues, probably had brain damage, probably been black and blue from head to toe and walked away with not a single scratch. It's a miracle. I can tell you about it sometime in private because it's not something that I need to be putting out. But I'm telling you, God is miraculously preserving this child for something. I don't know what, but I'm telling you, his supernatural preservation showed up in an amazing way. And they expected him to have major problems. Brain damage begins at four minutes. Not always does brain damage occur at four minutes, but that is when it becomes a risk. He was without breath for 522, and they did expect him to have lung problems. The doctors told her, and I have a text from the great aunt, that they expect him to have asthma for the rest of his life, but he is expected to live. And he has no asthma. Mm -hmm. No breathing problems whatsoever. Yeah. Full 100% recovery within a, just a couple of days. Wow. It's an less. amazing thing. It's an amazing yep. thing. And, and, and I'm sure that maybe even now you're looking at it and going, Randy, you left something off the list. It's probably true. But you guys don't want me to keep preaching, right? We just want to be able to glory and glorify God for what he has done. It's just an amazing thing. And anytime you're this close to a miracle, and by the way, if you don't believe in miracles, just start trying to figure up the odds of the timing and the place and the opportunity in that particular moment and all the different things and just start putting them into odds and realize that God's goodness is at work. And when that happens, we're grateful and we need to be glorifying God. And we need to be reminded that God is working in our situations too. It's not just for this child and his family, it's for all people. And so God is good. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up as we kind of bring this to a close. I want to give you a chance. Maybe, maybe I skipped something. Maybe there was something else that you needed to mention or wish that I had kind of talked about or maybe something that you want to say. Well, I, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk about these things because we knew that it was special and amazing for God to act. And we knew that it was just the timing alone was a miracle. Uh, we knew that. Uh, we knew that, you know, having, having some sort of CPR training means a lot, but having gone through this with a counselor who's got an incredible biblical perspective, shed new truth, new light on the scenario, and so I definitely appreciate you doing that, especially for me, but it's so encouraging, like, when something new happens, that you're like, oh no, this is terrible. It brings a new perspective, like, instead of, what in the world are we going to do? We've got to solve this terrible problem. Now it's like, I wonder what God's going to do out of this. This is not the end of the world. We can get through it. God's going to bring us through it. And you just heard me talk about oceans. And God is an orchestrator of our lives. And this, going through this, has really shed light on that and so he's basically showing us like I got it bad things are gonna happen you live in this world but fear not I've overcome the world and I can control everything he he breathed life into Adam you don't think he can breathe life into a baby or a child or somebody in your life if 
If you don't think he can, your faith needs a boost because he can take care of awesome. all this stuff. So that's awesome. That's, it's an amazing lesson. So thank you so thanks. much. Can we give the, the Teagues a hand one more time? Thank you all for sharing the story. We appreciate it. Kendall, true hero, true hero.